Um, hello, and welcome to the Homestake Podcast. Damn it. <laughs> now we have our cold open. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that goes. Isn't that how it goes? I know. Wait, what? Hello, and welcome to the Hamsteak Podcast, where we read Homestuck and tell you about it. My name's Lydia. I've read Homestuck before. My name's Alex. I have not. Cool. All right, let's get started. <laughs> so last week, Alex, tell us what happened last week. Uh, last week, we ended off with both Rose and John... Uh, having fights, or strifes, as they're called. Mm. And uh, Rose's ended with her kind of leaving the kitchen to go to the mausoleum. And John finished off... Okay, hold on. Uh, So John beat this imp and leveled up. And we got this cool little screen where we see a bunch of the levels that he'll get. Uh, and we got his loot, and we got a little dance from him. Yes, John is very excited to have leveled up on his Esha ladder. Yes. Um, <clears throat> cool. So, um, yeah, so that pretty much takes us to where we start the beginning of this week. Um... <laughs> yes, so we start today on uh, page 2306, which, again, is not the actual... 2,000 pages, it is just the ID at the end of the URL. Right. We'll stop having to qualify that eventually. Maybe soon, once yeah. we break 3,000. <laughs> oh, God, that's going to be soon. Yep. All right. So the next screen is just a bunch of uh, empty slots for more items, more grist. Right. It's the, um, oh, what is it called? It's the Athenium, right? Right, yeah. It's Rose, So we're looking at Rose's interface, um, where she has something called the... It's not really important what it's called, but she has something called the Athenium. It's where um, types of materials are stored, or like types of grist, um, which is another one of the bits of sort of implicit foreshadowing that we get where it's like, hmm, look at all these empty interface slots. Looks like we're going to be able to build with things that are a lot more interesting than just these things that look like gushers. Right. Cool. Uh, I love stuff like that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of this comic so far is kind of seeing how big it's going to get. Uh, especially with all the user interface stuff. Like, um, at the end of last week, we talked about how the scroll bar on the Escher ladder is really small. So there's going to be a lot more levels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. Do you... Does that, like... Are you, like... Actively, does that tactic like super work for you? The way that I like get really excited about that, or are you just like, huh? That sure is like a foreshadowing. I'm probably more at the latter, but I really appreciate that you get pumped about it. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's legit. Does it? Okay, you wrote Musoleum. You not, you're in, you never like say your own good jokes. You you wrote Musoleum. Is that is that in the text no, or I, I are said, you just hilarious? I said Meowsoleum. Meows. Oh, excuse me. Because there's a cat on the. Well, it's a cat's mausoleum. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is the home and eternal resting place of um, Jasper's, Rose's beloved childhood pet, um, who was taxidermied and placed here in a tiny coffin wearing a tuxedo. Yep. By her mom. That's not messed up. <laughs> so yeah, Rose finally gets uh, the backup generator working and goes inside the mausoleum and just defiles the tomb. Uh, and to get her laptop out, she actually spills all her stuff out into the tomb. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of makes it look like a, a little home base. And it makes me assume that she's going to be here for a while. I think she is, yeah. I'm not sure where else she would go um, yeah. at this point. She's kind of got nowhere to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, she she proceeds to knock her dead taxidermied cat off of... She doesn't just knock it, she kicks it. Oh, good. Thanks, Rose. Like, there's a a kick. Uh, what's oh, what's the what's it called when the word is on the page? I don't know. 
you know, in... Caption? Call out? Action no, it's, word? There's, oh, the, no, there's a word for, like, in comics, you know, when they are like, biff, bonk. Sound effects? Ah, uh, no, it's... Oh, uh, never mind. You have the entire resources of the internet at your disposal. You could Google this question. <clears throat> so, we lack the technology to make my voice sound any different for this voiceover, but I'm coming at you from the future of when this was recorded, but still the past of you listeners. I'm not traveling through time, to let you know that what we're about to spare you is about three minutes of fruitless Googling. It turns out the comic industry really does call those things sound effects, as far as we can tell from three minutes of fruitless Googling. You're welcome, and please enjoy the rest of the show. Um, okay. So, Rose defiles some tomb. We spend way too much time talking about that. That's just fine. Um... And meanwhile, so Rose is sort of defiling her... I hate that I always say sort of. Rose is defiling her childhood pet's tomb um, while John is being spoken to from the future by a desert alien. Yes. Who does not, it appears, like, to be speaking to him literally. Like, it doesn't seem like he can hear the words that are being typed to him. He just is like assaulted with the intent and yeah doesn't so he just thinks he's having really weird impulses yeah that's true it's really interesting um <laughs> but i don't have anything else to say about it at the moment because it's hard to understand that's okay that whole the whole sort of story mechanic of commands to move to the next page sometimes addressing the characters and sometimes not and like how that addressing works mm-hmm. um gets never really explained fully to like my satisfaction but it does get exploited a lot more and it's interesting the ways that it gets used later so right yeah okay so john meets uh someone new but not so new this right. is the sprite <laughs> Who has, um, explain what's happened, Lydia? Um, so I kind of feel like I understand this kind of, I understand this, like, the setup with the dark and light sides that are, um, basically sculpted into Harlequin-shaped forces, like, kind of on an intuitive level, but Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if other people have issues with that or if we're not explaining it well right um yeah there's a ton going on here um and we do get a lot more chances to see how exactly like we we see a lot of different repercussions to this later on um and so if it doesn't make sense now once we start interacting with all of these qualities of the universe which all of them are relevant they may make a little bit more sense or you can send us questions (laughs) Um, yeah, okay, so so we went over what the medium is. We talked about prototyping. Um, the main last thing is just the seven gates, right? And so... So... The, yeah, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so these are basically like um, these circular glowing planes that uh, John has to pass through, and they're like... Do they just go directly up? Mm-hmm. Okay, just so... one above the other. Okay. So yeah, but each one is harder to get to than the next, than the previous one. Yeah, I think they're just they just become increasingly further apart because we're essentially building up from. So we're on a rock spire, but we need to keep building upward to reach Skya, which is the let's find the definition of Skya because she tells us exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a dormant crucible of unlimited creative potential, and she won't tell us anything more than that right now. Okay. What it actually is, is really fucked up and interesting, but we won't find that out for a long time. <laughs> cool. But right, so we're, we're building towards it, and the implication is that we are somehow um, orbiting it, um, and so if you think on an astronomical scale, there's a fair bit of building that needs to go down. Right. Huh. That, that's interesting. Yeah. Hell yeah, it's interesting. Keep fucking reading the comic. <laughs> well, I just mean, like, that's, like, hundreds of thousands of kilometers, probably. Well, so it's... Oh, 
Uh, he takes some liberty with astronomical scale. Okay. But yeah, there is um, the implication of exponential growth is there. Okay. Um, exponential growth is really cool in general. As an, it's one of my favorite <laughs> sure. abstract concepts. Sure, I I'm down with that. Yeah. So yeah, there's because we because we, we see that with like sort of the implication of John's progress through the Escher ladder. We see that with the implication of the increasing difficulty of just getting to Skya in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So there you go. So that's pretty much. That's the world building. The world building. Yep. <laughs> Thank you for bearing with us. <laughs> Um, okay, well, but so I, I kind of feel less bad about um, that taking as long as it did. Sorry, if I can just cut in here, this is another note from the future to let you know that the reason I'm talking about that world building taking so long to explain is that it took us about another 18 minutes to explain. We've spared you from those 18 minutes because it's not nearly as entertaining as was it when it's presented in the comic by a charming RPG-style expository dialogue with Nana Sprite, who is the ghost of a sweet, lovely grandma magically combined with a whimsical harlequin. If you find the world-building stuff confusing, congratulations, you are a typical Homestuck reader. Um, You can check out pages 2320 to 2328 if you want to go back and read it yourself, or you can also... Yeah. Okay, so Nana, or the Nana Sprite, Mm. having finished with this exposition dump, uh, decides to go make some cookies. Not only does she decide to go make some cookies, she essentially bails on fully explaining what she's talking about by going to bake some cookies. Yeah. And she goes through the wall, because she's a sprite, or a kind of a ghost, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she leaves some uh, some nice ectoplasm on John's bedroom wall. And I just said, Grandma Goo. Ugh. <laughs> that, is, that is maybe the most repulsive thing I've thought about all week. <laughs> Grandma Goo. Thanks for that. Um, so yeah, she goes through the wall. John spends a little while being shouted at by uh, Wayward Vagabond, the our yeah. alien friend in the apocalyptic future. Yeah, the Vagabond really wants those cookies. Yeah, he does. But John really, really super doesn't want those cookies because he um, has been... His dad is fucking foisting baked goods on him constantly, and he, like, hates Betty Crocker, hates baked products. <laughs> John is he pretty has, dead inside. Well, he's had a... He, I think he's had traumatic experience with baked goods. It seems that way. His dad essentially, like, pied him in the face at one point, right? <laughs> Caked him in the face? Yeah, and just, like, having, like, a room filled with cakes on your birthday, just as a normal part of your birthday. God, that'd be so fucking sweet. If I had, if my, if I woke up on my birthday, like, so, like, I've woken up to weird stuff growing up. Like, my dad, for some reason, his deal on Easter was that he would, like, we all slept, like, fucking rocks, so you could do this without waking us up. Um, he would buy us, like, these enormous stuffed animals and, like, put them, like, in bed with us, like, while we were sleeping. (laughs) So we'd just wake up hugging, like, a giant hot pink bunny. Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) Like, happy Easter. And so I feel like... Similarly, if I woke up and, like, because you wouldn't wake me up doing this, if I just woke up and there were, like, two different, like, beautiful-looking cakes, because Dad's, John's dad clearly knows what he's doing, um, mm-hmm. I'd be pretty thrilled. I gotta <laughs> say. Well, yeah, I'm sure, like, the first time, but after 13 years of that, maybe you'd be a bit tired. That's true, because it does also seem like the baking is a pretty everyday occurrence, and so... Mm-hmm. Which, nice. Nice, um, nice, uh, defiance of gender norms. <laughs> sure. That's good. And it's not, not, not even overt. Just, like, no, nobody makes any kind of a big deal about it, literally at all. It's just like, yep, yeah, my dad is it, bakes for is me. Is it weird for men to bake? Yeah, baking is an incredibly feminine activity. Is oh, it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Oh. Yeah. Grandma makes cookies. Etc. Men aren't pastry chefs, except for, you know, cake boss. Well, that's the thing. Well, that's the kind of thing where, like, if a man does it and it's a feminine activity, then he's exceptional. Right. right? Well, exactly. 
Um, but, like, John's dad isn't even exceptional. He's literally just, my dad annoyingly bakes a lot. That's it. I I mean, I <laughs> guess I just, it didn't occur to me that it was weird for his dad to be baking at all. Mm. Um, I have never, the only dad I've ever heard of baking is my friend Stina, who's probably eavesdropping on me through my door right now. Um, no, she's not eavesdropping, but she might be able to hear me because I talk really loud. Um, I know that her dad, they don't buy bread, they bake bread, and her dad is the bread baker of the family. But that's the only baking I've ever heard of a dad doing. Like, my dad, my dad does all the cooking for my family, and the man does not bake. So. Gender. Well, I don't know. (laughs) What what do I know about dads? Mmm. What do any of us really know about dads? They're awfully mysterious. <laughs> Such a mysterious creature. Including John's dad, which um, will become a plot point later in this reading. Stay tuned. Yes, well, he doesn't have a face. He doesn't have a face. What the fuck is up with that? I don't know. Yeah, that's never explained. Good. Notice that Ro- right. Rose's mom doesn't have a face either. Uh, mm. She has lipstick, I think. Well, she does, and dad's... Uh, John's dad has a hat oh, and a y- nose. you're right. He has a and nose. He has they have pipe, a facial yeah. feature. They only get one. Right. Okay, I see. Yeah? Yeah, I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where are we? Uh, we're in the Incipisphere. No, um, where are we in the <laughs> comic? We are... Oh, right. I just wanted to say, did, did I already mention that the Vagabond really wants those cookies? Hell yeah, he does. Yeah. I think I already mentioned that. Yeah, it's good to uh, um, it's good to reiterate. Yes, and we actually a couple pages later we see another story file, which again are the kind of um, classical uh, comic panels mm-hmm. that show the vagabond his story in the future, and we just see a, like a panel o- opens up in the bunker that he's in, mm-hmm. and some like canned food falls out. And he's, like, super excited about that. And then a book on, like, human etiquette falls out, and he's super excited about that, too. Yeah, he is. He's, like, vibrating with it, with joy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Weird Vagabond, he's he's a good dude. I like him. <laughs> he's good. He sticks around, too. We'll, we'll be hanging out with him for thousands of pages, actually. Good. So, yeah. Um, alright, so future aliens aside. Yeah, so Rose uh, decides to go update her game VAC, uh, because she was, um, since she was reconnected, she was able to hear everything that Nana Sprite said. Right, so she's been privy to all of this world building, and she essentially just reiterates all of it. If you want a coherent explanation of all of that world building stuff, you want to just read that game fact. That game fact is on page 2340, and I strongly recommend it if you want just, like, one concise rundown or, like, a reference to the world mm. building um, that we know so far, that's a good page to look for. Or, I mean, there's there's a wiki, um, which I'm going to recommend now because this shit's only going to get weirder. Um, and let mm-hmm. me double-check the URL, MSPA wiki. I think that's what it is. Um, nope. It is, so it is mspaintadventures.wikia.com, and we will link it in the as mentioned, but, um, if you have any kind of, if you're reading this comic and you're just like, who is that, or what is that, um, I strongly recommend that you go to this website and look it up. Um, the only caveat is that it's full of spoilers. That's what I was gonna ask. Yeah, it's full of spoilers, but, um, I mean, it, they're usually, they go in chronological story order. So it's right. not terrible. And also, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast and you know that I've read it before, um, you're willing to be spoiled in minor ways. Sure. Because to be fair, there's so much that happens here that any amount of spoiling is almost always just a drop in the bucket. Yeah, I've seen like Tumblr posts that ostensibly spoil things. Stoil. Spoil things. Stoil things. <laughs> Stoiled um, Oh my god. Um, but I can art. Ar- but I already, like, have forgotten all those, so it's no problem. 
Right, that's the other thing, is, like, if you get spoiled- th- this comic is so sprawling that if you get spoiled for something that hasn't even been introduced yet, you won't remember it. Because yeah. brains are incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, I just wanted to, as an aside, mm. mention- you pronounced it Wikia, mm-hmm. like rhyming with Ikea. Yeah. Which I, I pronounce it Wikia. That's awful. I hate Wikia. that. I, I hate Wikia. All right. It's well, ridiculous. I guess we have to end this podcast because. Bye. Talk to you <laughs> never. Nice fucking knowing you. <laughs> it's been a good run. Okay. So, Homestuck. In Homestuck. Homestuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John's stuck at home, mm-hmm. but the home gets bigger. The home does get bigger. The home just keeps growing. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we do Rose's Game Fact, and then we get... Um, I told you this comic got better, guys. It's getting better. Um, we get Rose and Gigi having a lovely conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, has it so, been, has it, sorry, no, go ahead. I'm just saying, so we learn a bit about Gigi. Um, mm-hmm. She lives somewhere, it is a she, right? See, I was just going to ask that, yeah. So I'm not sure, I think that Hussey is pretty scrupulous about this stuff, so he has not, I'm not sure that he has overtly by this point had any character use a pronoun in relation to Gigi, or at least a gender-specific pronoun, but um, I can tell you that Gigi, we later meet her and she is a girl. Um, okay. I And I'm willing to spoil that for you because I obviously you inferred it. I feel like her, um, just her diction and her mannerisms are coded very feminine. Yeah, she's very sweet. She is so sweet, which, like, to be fair, like, she actually speaks, she talks a lot like John, and I think if you read... John's utterances without knowing the name of his character, you could easily read him as female. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, like my like often I speak in ways that that are like GG. So, what's that tell ya? Um, <laughs> but also, um, you said I think in the first episode that we did that he's very scrupulous about having a gender balanced cast. Right. So I just assume like if we have the four children, mm-hmm. two of them are boys, two of them are going to be girls. There you go. Yeah, and that's 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 absolutely right. Um, we've got this cast of four kids right now. Um, I'm gonna say that there's there's twelve trolls later because everybody who is on Tumblr knows this. What's a troll? Sorry, what's what? What's well, going oh, okay. Well, what, what are you what are you saying? <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Um, I know that there's. I know that there's a troll named Vriska. I don't know is. the other names. Oh god, she's know. fucking great. Oh god, we're gonna get to Vriska in so many thousands. No, of pages. don't say. Don't say anything about Riska. Uh, I'm just telling you that she's good. She's really good. She's like she's like one of the best female characters like out there. Honestly, she's so interesting and like so nuanced, and she gets so much development. Like, oh my god, cool. love Riska. She's kind of a douchebag, but I love her. But we're, but we're not talking about her. But we're not talking about oh Riska. Um. <laughs> anyway, why don't you marry her? Hmm? Why don't you marry her? You are merrier? Why don't you marry her? Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, we're not talking about Vriska, so there's a lot of directions I could go with that. Um, but I... That... You know, you managed to pick a throwaway utterance that would turn out to actually be quite plot relevant later on. So <laughs> I'm just gonna... Just gonna it's let fine. it hang there. I'm gonna forget about it before we get there. Mm, yep. And hopefully our listeners will too. Pretend we've never spoiled you for anything. No, we're not going to mention. We're not going to put it in. Okay. Probably. We're, we're going to throw away the entire Briska Circuit conversation. I'm going to throw away all the jokes this time. <laughs> you may not laugh while listening to this podcast. If you <laughs> laugh while listening to this podcast, I demand that you rip your headphones out, burn them, cut off your internet subscription, and rethink your life. This is an informational uh, dissemination podcast. There is no... There will be no fun on this podcast. (laughs) Let me be very clear. No no fun allowed. So, yeah, like I said, with this comic getting better, um, there are plenty of very robust and very plot-relevant, purely female-female relationships. 
Um, and this mm-hmm. is one of them. We see Rose interacting with Gigi. Um, Rose is privy to the fact that Gigi can see the future. Um, and lets on to this through her sarcasm throughout the conversation. Gigi can see the future in a sort of intuitive way. Oh, I didn't pick up on that at all. Seriously? I guess, I guess, um, like I wasn't looking for it. Oh, yeah. Um, so Gigi just happens to, she tries to play it off as just intuitively guessing or she's been speaking to other people sort of without that person being present, not exactly behind their back because they're not talking shit. They're just, you know, they have that oh. relationship. Oh, do you know what it was? What? I, because she, she was talking about, like, the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that she was, like, her parents were, like, developers for it or something, so she knew about it. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. That's not uh, the case that, whatsoever. That's not at all, yeah, no. <laughs> that, is, that is just, on so many levels, so far from the case. <laughs> um, I because I was imagining like, because she like we're we're not sure where she lives, so I was thinking like her parents are like secret game developers for like the CIA or something. I don't even know. That's amazing. That is the best possible takeaway from <laughs> this cryptic character. And the little bits of exposition we get for her. I'm a fan. I suggest that all listeners maintain CIA secret game developer as the um, the precept, as it were, of Rose's, um, nope, as Gigi's parentage, until we are told otherwise. And I think not for a great while. She remains mysterious <laughs> for a good long time. Okay. Um, but yeah, so... Um, that shouldn't be a huge spoiler because I feel like it's pretty obvious from this dialogue that Gigi can see the future in sort of vague ways. Like, she just happens to have certain premonitions, um, and she just, it's just that she knows certain things and isn't sure how she knows them, and she downplays that, um, I think to herself and to others, um, and everyone is just sort of reluctant to make a big deal out of it because, I don't know, I go through this with a lot of my... interactions with people I know online where I'm just like let's not make this weird by grilling them like I you know you just kind of accept that you're not gonna know a lot of things about a person and it's a lot more conducive to the relationship to just be like that doesn't make any sense but okay you just take things <laughs> right. you just take people at face value on the internet it's kind of nice anyway anyway so anyway oh my god <laughs> here we have the earth right end of the world and here we have Skaya. Oh my god. I think we Endos- have to link End of the World now. And he has mentioned. That, well, that, uh, assumes that magnificent okay. artifact of pre-YouTube internet video humor. That, um... Oh, is that... Well, that's obviously pre-Homestuck. That was... Yep, it's Newgrounds era. Dude, that stuff wow. dates back to, like, early, early 2000s. Archaeology. <laughs> Not exactly, but okay. There's an there's an analog to be to be seen there. Now I'm just imagining like archaeologists going into like those huge mounds of e waste with like a pick and a toothbrush <laughs> to like extract a hard drive. Mm. Oh I wonder I wonder how much data could actually be recovered from like a thousand year old hard drive. Huh, that's a good question. Like, I don't know, I don't know if it's like, um, like, I know magnetic tape degrades Degra- incredibly yeah, exactly. fast. Yeah. Maybe a solid state drive, though. Hmm. Solid snake drive? Sorry. I've never played <laughs> yes. one of those games. Me neither. <laughs> but thank you. Thanks for listening that's, to our Homestuck podcast, folks. That should, I think that'll be our, um, our title. Solid snake drive. Yep. Yep, works for me. Um, okay, so yeah, so we have that lovely conversation between Rose and Gigi, and then we get, um, <laughs> I think you and I took um, very different things away yeah. from this scene. So we get, um, we get a scene of Dave looking out his window, and I said, it's very visually striking, and I describe the scenes at the top of a very tall apartment building, and there are medi- the meteors are behind him, and the sun is kind of burning into his sunglasses. 
Uh, Lydia said, The city is on fucking fire from meteors. And Drop It Like It's Hot is attributed to Keats. Well, and so, also... Yeah, that's, <clears throat> go ahead. So that's, um, that's an, a really obvious uh, misattribution. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you noticed that your first time around. I think I got the vague sense that the joke with the original quotes must have been that they were misattributed because I couldn't think of why else they'd be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this was the first time when I really noticed it. Yeah, because this one is, like, egregious. It's quite egregious. It's literally, like, a bunch of drop it like it's hot um, yeah. attributed to Keats. Um, we actually, it's really fascinating. We don't see this really ever again, but, um, we get the narration sort of waxing poetic quasi in Dave's voice, um, making metaphors about the sun and needles and vinyl and the planet, um, and well, with, with, with needles and vinyl really being sort of the intrinsically Dave thing, but also just the cadence that's used feels very Dave, but not in a Dave dialogue way. It's just sort of fit to Dave. This -hmm. doesn't happen very often. It kind of caught me by surprise, and it's like surprisingly sort of beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Dave. (laughs) Oh, Dave. Um, but so I really liked it, actually. Um, and then, but, but what's so, so wonderful about it is it's so, it's like lovely and it's Dave and then it being Dave lapses very organically into literally just the lyrics of Rub It Like It's Hot. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, Dave. All right. All right. So yeah, oh, so then, okay. sorry, so spending time with Dave, yes. Yes, so he, um, he looks at his brother, his brother's stuff around the living room, mm. and his brother seems really creepy, with these weird puppets, and just a whole bunch of weird art of puppets, and so Dave says something about, um, like, his brother is tears of irony, like, above Dave, and he can never be as ironic as Dave, or as, as his brother. Yeah. And um, that reminded me of this past week, I reblogged um, this Tumblr post that was like, how many levels of irony are you on, dude? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Lydia said that I was making a Homestuck joke without realizing it. And so I'm wondering if, like, as part of the structure of this world, there are, like, objective levels of irony that people can be on. Do you want me to and confirm or deny that? I don't know. I'm just, I just like imagining it. Um, well, so it's more like that's a motif that recurs with Striders. Okay. Within the Strider family. Levels of irony. All right. I thing. see. Yep. Cool. So, yeah, Dave's brother is weird. <laughs> He's real fucking weird. Dave's brother um, saw fit to lay leave lying around the house a Mr. T puppet wearing a leather thong and a Chuck Norris puppet wearing, I think also a leather thong and like a bonded vest, um, handcuffed <laughs> to each other and beaming happily on top of what looks like a maybe a synthesizer. I don't know. <laughs> because, as we later find out, um, the Strider family livelihood is based upon a quote-unquote cash cow, which is... A website dedicated to smuppets, which are exactly what they sound like. Yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah, there's just like probos, there's like phallic nose proboscis and butts of puppets, right? Yep. Just fucking and with their butts out, like hanging all over their and apartment. They- Dave's brother ironically rakes in thousands of dollars a month from this. Oh, very ironically, yes. Of course. He's just so many levels of irony removed. So it's fine. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so we also see um, kind of this universe's version of intense gaming, which was kind of alluded to in Game Bro magazine. Mm. But, well, okay, wait, wait, um, wait. What do you mean by intense gaming, exactly? 
Well, that's just what it said in the narrations. Like, this is intense gaming. Oh. I, um, hold on. Well, I mean, but, like, so when you say this universe's version, I feel like that just implies a... Sorry, I just, I just mean, I just mean, like, hold on. It's not, okay, it was, he said, it's not like him to leave in the middle of some totally intense gaming. Ah. Um, but the, like, the image corresponding to that on the screen is a bunch of, um, chip bags vibrating. Doritos. With They're some Doritos. Skate. It's very important. Well, there's Doritos and there's also some Pringles. Oh. Well, but Dor- Pringles like... don't come in a bag. It's a tube of Pringles. Okay. Sorry. Fucking right. get your get your snack properties right. God. <laughs> get your snack together. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, no, wait. So... Wait, but get your snack together. Yeah. It's a you That's really good. Well, no, it's funny to me because um I don't know, you don't use Snapchat, right? No. Okay. So I use Snapchat far too much and um one of the things that you see when you watch, like, long stories, like any of those Snapchat live stories, um, one of the ones that we have is, um, it's essentially, like, a campus story for, like, me and a bunch of other small campuses in the area, and then you'll be going through and you'll be watching people, you know, university students in my area being stupid, and, um, and then occasionally there are interspersed advertisements and they have to stick to the 10-second, um, Snapchat limit, but, um, a lot of them are Doritos ads. <laughs> Okay. And, like, Taco Bell ads, and they're... I forget where I was going with this. I I had no idea that there was advertising in Snapchat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not only is there... There are interspersed advertisements in the Snapchat Live stories, and there are also, um, now, basically, news snaps, um, mostly by fluff establishments, but, like, Vice has, a, has one, HuffPost has one, I think, like... <laughs> Half legitimate. Let, let me let me corroborate this. Actually, let me let me. So okay, so we've got Vice, Taste Made, ESPN, Vox, um, oh. Buzzfeed. Yeah, you know what? I, I do remember seeing those when I used it. Yeah, but I just yeah. Never, I never clicked them. Yeah, Nat Geo. Oh God, has every one. time CNN I, I feel what. <laughs> I feel like every time I look at Snapchat, it's, like, changed dramatically, and I just don't recognize it anymore. Like, all these weird, like, face filters that it does. Yes! I love the face filters! They're so bizarre. Yeah. They're so, like... Like, what is Snapchat doing as a company? I don't know. There's something new. I honestly find it really interesting. They're truly, like, they're really, really building... A kind of sort of mobile native communications and journalism platform. <laughs> what? That it just sounded so good. Hell yeah. That's a good, that's a good string of words. Thanks. I fucking am staking my entire career on it. Alright, we should talk about Homestuck. We should talk about Homestuck on this Homestuck podcast. So So um, so yeah, we get like a, an in-game screenshot of uh, the game. Yeah. And it's just a skateboarder glitching through a wall, and a bunch of chips glowing and vibrating. Right. And when fast. we say when we say the game, we mean the game, the like extreme bro game that like Dave's yeah. bro was playing. I'm sure, ironically. Oh, I didn't. I I, I would have thought that this was like his actual interest. I don't think that Dave or his bro do anything that isn't wrapped in strata of irony. I think it's That's safe fair. to assume. That's probably fair. Yeah. Which is, I think I point this out later on, or if I don't, I should have pointed it out by now, but um, have you noticed um, sort of categorizations or axes for these characters begin to emerge? Um, no, I can you explain that, what you mean by that? Yeah, so um, you pointed out when we first saw Dave, and I think we ended up cutting this from the final version of the podcast, but you pointed out that um, when you first saw that panel, you thought that, because we switched from Rose to Dave so suddenly, you thought that Rose had just powered up. Oh, right, yeah. Right? So they, they look sort of similar, but also they both sort of sheathe themselves in layers of facetiousness. 
Okay. Right. And um, they sort of abstract everything that they do and think away from reality. In Rose's case, using sort of reason and psychoanalysis, psychoanalysis, all that. Whereas in mm-hmm. Dave's case, it's more based on irony and what's cool. Right. But they're both, they both abstract themselves away and like layer themselves in, I don't want to call it a facade, but. Yeah, I get what you mean. You that's know, really, like everything really they say is yeah. it's a lot more belabored mm-hmm. than than um than than John and Gigi, and mm-hmm. um. So that's one axis, and that's really the only axis that's super apparent right now because we don't know very much about Gigi. But yeah, I think you can you notice that John and Gigi, as I sort of pointed out a little bit earlier, they're both very sincere people. They're both what you would call like absolute sweethearts, right? Like they're very sweet. Right. Um, they're okay. very straightforward, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So I I kind of wanted to bring that to first-time readers' attention because that's a really interesting... It's made explicit later on in unrelated contexts. It's never actually made explicit with these... Well, in certain ways it's made explicit with these characters, but it's made explicit in much more overt ways later on with other characters and just in general in the world. Um, we also sort of see it in like the divide between light and dark in, in the Incipisphere, right? Um, okay. Hussey likes to establish categories and axes, which help to make some sense of the incredible proliferation of concepts and characters that we see in this universe. Cool. Nice. I'm excited to see more. I'm so glad. Me too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd just like to point out that we are in this point in the comic spending all of our time in, um, not all of our time, but in this scene with Dave, we are spending our time in the Strider apartment, um, which is a hellscape of, like I said, promiscuous puppets, <laughs> um, hideous wall art. Mm-hmm. Clutter and bro style gaming. Yes. Yeah. And so Dave gets it. Kind of all hits him. It hits him all at once that his brother is really weird. Mhm. Mhm. Um, and we kind of see we see two times actually because uh, the Pesterlog does this thing that it did before, where it kind of it's copy pasted so that we know where we are in time. Right. And so, but in both versions of that, it's him like, hey, these puppets are maybe not as cool as I thought they were. Um, I don't know what I'm, I don't, I'm not sure. And I'm like, oh, poor Dave. You're like, you, you, did it strike you as like we were genuinely witnessing like the first time this had occurred to him? Yeah, it really did. Hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about that, whether I agree or disagree. I All I can say is that it will come up again, this sort of dissonance that Dave experiences between how cool he really wants his brother to be, uh-huh. uh, or how cool he really wants to believe his brother is, and how absolutely fucked up his brother actually is. Right. Um, although his brother is fundamentally a good dude. We will see. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, another another thing that's actually... It, actually, it's really sweet that um, he says his brother keeps up on his projects, like his ironic blogs. Yeah. And that like that segues into us reading another Sweet Bro and Hello Jeff. Yeah. Okay, so well, you quite... say you say in your notes that it's um, Sweet Bro and Hello, Hello Jeff number, twen- number 46, right? Yes, yeah. It shouldn't be. Um, so I'm actually going to double check that on you right now, that you went through the, the correct link. That that link isn't somehow taking you to the wrong Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff. Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff. Complete bullshit content aggregator. Click on... Oh, that is... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. It is number six. Yeah. How did I get to 46? Um, you probably scrolled down and saw... Either you made a typo or you scrolled down and saw that um, the it's listed... The archive is listed on the page bottom up, so it goes from like... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yes. That's probably what you saw. Um, let's hit the back button, actually, on this comic and see what Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff number five. Oh, wow. Okay, so, so we're seeing an update to this on Bro's Machine. But um, if you go back, there are some interim comics as well. Yeah, so the first um, Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff aside was the first, like, number one. Mm-hmm. And this this one is number six. Yeah. So there are like four in between. I don't think I've ever read these before. I'm I'm clicking through <laughs> them right now, and they're novel. But um, I think the main thing is: Are you still on page six? Uh, hold on. CID equals zero zero six. Okay, hit the next comic backwards button once, and go to zero zero five, because yes. this is a critical piece of um, internet history. That, um, like, this was, this was a big meme, really, that, um, Homestuck contributed, and I think that we need to document it here, and I completely didn't even realize that, uh, it happened here. Okay. So this is, um... We're gonna do a live read, folks. Okay. (laughs) Are we? I'll be, I'll be, uh, the one with lighter hair. The one who who talks first. Is that Sweet Bro or Hello Jeff? I don't even know. Bro, did you get the new hot game that everyone's buzzing about these days? Dude, you know I did. And then a bunch of text scribbled out underneath that that you can sort of read. <laughs> you know it. I have, I'm red. I have got a red jumpsuit on of some kind and black hair, I guess. And a disgusting goatee. That is so sweet, man. How about a bro hug bump? Okay, let's, how do we do this? Let's do this thing. Let's make this shit work. Where doing it, man? Where is misspelled? Where yes. making this happen? Oh my god. I, I feel like we can't we can't describe what's happening visually here. Absolutely at not all. at all. I think I think the, the uh, absolute inadequacy of the audio medium to describe the truly magnificent piece of visual poetry going on here. <laughs> is is just another another layer of joke for your own enjoyment, but I strongly recommend that you check out Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff, page five. <laughs> you can actually go to sweetbroandhellajeff.com and just go to number five. Um, there's a navigation nice. right on that page if you scroll down a little bit, and um, it's really good. Um, that I just I guess so when I first joined. <laughs> This is so embarrassing, but when I first joined Tumblr, it was essentially because I had finished Homestuck, and I was like, but wait, what now? Um, <laughs> and I was just like, I need more of this content. And um, we're doing this, man, we're making this happen, is a big ol' meme in those circles. And I've seen it float around in other circles, but again, like, when you're on a site like Tumblr, I also feel like where you start will always influence where you end up. Mm-hmm. Um... And we do sort of find ourselves coming around rather beautifully with this podcast right now. Once again, thank you all for listening. Um, and so, but yeah, I, like that meme, that, I don't know, that meme always seemed like a big deal to me. And it's funny to me that you've never seen it. Like, we're doing this, man. We're making this happen. That's like some integral internet shit. <laughs> I'm I mean, I might, I might have, yet. I might have like heard that before, but because I didn't know where it came from, it didn't stick. I see. Because, I mean, that's just kind of an innocuous phrase, if you don't know the context. You know, you're right. It is surprisingly innocuous. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, so anyway, that's the Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff that we read, and also the one prior... Well, the, the Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff that we actually read is just kind of boring, actually, so I'm not even going to talk about it. But the one prior to it is a core piece of history that I think you should consume. And then we look at Plush Rump. Yes. Let's uh, move on. Yeah. We're just going to skip straight over Plush Rump? It's, it's the puppet butts. It's the... It's the, it's it's the, the smut puppets. It's the, it's the plush rumps. Mm-hmm. We don't need to dwell on this. No. Oh, well, and yet the comic does, lovingly, for many pages. <laughs> and that's, you know what? Fucking read it, because it's real uncomfortable. <laughs> Every every note that I take during these is just like this apartment is a hellscape. Smuppets, Jesus Christ, the rumps. I hate this. 
Um, meanwhile, yes. as as Dave is navigating the aforementioned hellscape of his apartment, um, Lil Cal, remember the um, marionette rapper from his brother's weird act, ventriloquist thing, right? Okay. Um, Lil Cal is teleporting around the room. That's fine. Yeah. I'm sure it's fine. He just, like, we, we can quite clearly see the semi-off-panel locations where Lil Cal is about to appear, and Lil Cal is quite obviously not there, and then we shift one panel, focus a little bit more on those previously off-panel locations, and suddenly there's Lil Cal. Just out of nowhere. He's just there, yep. hello, following Dave around the room. <laughs> um, That's not creepy as shit. Anyway, so Homestuck... Yeah, let's, yeah, let's wrap this up. Um, okay, so we, we learn a couple of new things about uh, how Rose can interact with the world, mm-hmm. with the imps, because she can drop things on the imps to kill them, mm-hmm. and they drop grist, but she can't pick up the grist herself. Um, John has to pick it up. Right. Um, which is interesting, and then she also points out, I think in her game fact, where... Or, yeah, she pointed out in a later game fact that we are going to see right at the end of this reading that um, while she can defeat monsters for John, she prefers not to because it denies him the experience points he's going to need to level up to be able to continue to be useful, essentially. Yeah, and that is really interesting. That seems kind of important. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it, it seems... I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that she, like, made that... Um, she made that connection. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, it's not it's not that difficult of a connection to make if you've ever played like a video game. I guess, but I mean, most video games aren't like this. Like, you wouldn't think of about that, like the server player. Like, or maybe maybe you would. I, I guess I don't know. I don't know. It seems kind of obvious to me, but also, again, I've read this. I've read especially this beginning portion of the comic too many times. Yes. Yeah. Right. So um, there's a little mini game mm-hmm. when the imps are playing on the Slimer Pogo. That, that fucking mini game! Fuck that mini game! Damn it! <laughs> Programmed What's by Alexis Gankro Beisinger. She does great work. He does great work. That person does great work. Um, but I can't fucking. I think the point is that it's supposed to be frustrating, but I cannot. Maybe my brother doesn't like it. I can't figure out how to make any kind of score accumulate whatsoever, and it, it was, makes me it really was, angry. It, it was just like a. Yeah, it was. It was weirdly coded, like. You need to press the, hold on, 2376. 1776. <laughs> so, you, so, are you there? Are you there, okay, God? Then. Yes, I am. Hello. So, hit giddy up. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, I think you have to click on the pogo. And then mash back and forth. Yeah, I'm arrows. accumulating no score. Oh, I'm accumulating score now! Just, just keep, yeah, there you go, yeah. You gotta hit a rhythm, is the deal. You can't just mash. You have to hit exactly the correct... I'm sure that that <laughs> keyboard clacking was lovely for everyone to hear. Mm-hmm. What was your, um, you said your high score. What's your high score? My high score was... Uh, nine hundred twenty-seven thousand. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty proud. How many times did you play this game? Twice. Oh fuck you! Alex is a video game boy, so he can do this kind of thing. <laughs> That's my gender. Yep. Video game boy. Mhm. You and John both. <laughs> Congratulations. Anyway. So we play that incredibly frustrating minigame, if you're me and not good at, or willing to invest the effort in figuring out shit like that. And then, um, we hear more from Wayward Vagabond, um, in the form of these next page prompts, which are utterances directed at John, except now that they are unprecedentedly polite and no longer in all caps. Yeah, so they switch from all caps to... No caps, like mid word. <laughs> um, and then we see that the wayward vagabond is reading the uh, human etiquette book mm-hmm. and also eating it. Mm-hmm. 
Because I guess he's really hungry. He's incredibly hungry, he w- having been wandering in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And that, that's why he wanted the cookies. Yeah. And he tries to, like, get John to give him a can opener, but of course, he can't. Well, so we need to so specify it, why John can't. I mean, besides the fact that they are temporarily separated, um, yeah. WV is sending John all these impulses to, like, go get a can opener, um, but he's sending them at a time when John has um, escaped from a fight he can't win into a separate room and then been blocked off there by Rose to keep him temporarily safe. Um, yes. And he's separated from the kitchen. He can't get past the fridge to go get the can opener. So he's just, he actually, we see this happen a couple times in his reading. John is just standing there doing this like shruggy motion because he's getting these impulses to go do a thing that he physically can't yeah. do. And so he just seems to get stuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's cute. It is kind of cute. His, his sprite when he's like shrugging at the camera is very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rose is pissed off because she doesn't understand. Like she doesn't, she doesn't know about the impulses, so she just thinks that John is dicking around. Correct. Right. So he's and like, he's also, yeah, he's not, he's not, he doesn't have his PDA on him, so he, he can't. Well, he, he does. It's him. just, I think it's just stuck in the middle of his, uh, Silidex. Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> right. The, um, I, I was reading ahead a little bit, and I can tell you that the Silidex fuckery, for all intents and purposes, ends... Within the next couple hundred pages, I think. Oh, that's too bad. It's too bad? Yeah, I like that. I love the Silidex fuckery. Oh. I mean, like... it, it continues in some extent. And there are analogous other sorts of interface fuckery that do take sure. its place. So. Okay. Don't worry, you got some time yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So next, um, I think that's about it. John gets stuck um, between the the proverbial rock and hard place of impulses sent to him from the future by an apocalyptic alien creature, and um, Rose trapping him in a room. Right, um, and so we we do a hard cut from that to another of Rose's game facts, which is. This time, just a set of screen caps. Mostly we learn nothing new. Yeah. She just puts some kind of, um, some captions underneath some stuff that we've seen. Right, from slightly different vantage points. Um, except for the very last of those screen caps, which is of John's father's room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so John's father's room is completely clouded and static. Um, and... Rose is not sure if it's just, like, inaccessible in the game or if it's, uh, like, unrendered because John has never seen it. So the game might be drawing the house from his memories. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I think that probably the appropriate way to enact my role right now is to neither confirm nor deny. Hmm. Well, that's just what... Rose is conjecturing, so... Okay. Um, can I give you... A vague spoiler? Can uh, I, I think not. Not right now, no. Oh! I, well, I wrote it no, in the notes, anyway. No spoiling. I won't look. Okay. No spoiling for you. I'll delete it. Um. Goodbye. Don't look. I hope you didn't <laughs> see... Because that nope. surely would have ruined your entire reading experience. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's the, uh, that's the end of the story. Do we have any questions? We do. What? Yeah. Are they from Dwellington again? No. Oh. We have more than one listener. What? Um, okay, so this question is from Following Ponies on Tumblr, who is one of my good friends, so thank you for listening and thank you for... Um, Answering, asking a question. Oh, yay. And I will ask you this question, Lydia. Okay. Hello. I don't read Homestuck, but hearing about it is an interesting way to experience it. So thanks for making this podcast. My question is, if tomb can be pronounced like tome, then why can't Tim be pronounced like time? Thanks. Um, so, first of all, thank you for listening. I'm glad you're enjoying listening to it. 
um, potentially without reading. Um, as an aside, part of the inspiration to do, to do this was because of some of a podcast that I am quite a devoted listener to, which is Rachel and Miles Explain the X-Men, um, where they tell, they basically summarize events in the X-Men comics universe. Um, I have never read a single X-Men comic, and I don't think I ever really will, but I really enjoy hearing them recap it, so I'm glad that I'm not alone in that phenomenon, and, and you're enjoying being along for this ride as well. Um, I'm not sure where you're getting, though, that you can pronounce tomb as tome. I'm going to actually corroborate that right now with the internet. Um, I'm checking tomb on Merriam-Webster here. Yeah, the only, um, the only pronunciation I'm getting is tomb. I think what neck means, sorry, what following pony means. <laughs> at, well, that's his name. You revealed the secret his other, his other name. Huh. I think what he means is that it's pronounced with a, with a silent B. Right, but so autumn, the analogy then would be, okay, so if tomb can be pronounced, as in like it's written tomb can be pronounced tomb, then why can't mm. timb be pronounced time? Because you're still changing the vowel. Because because I made up the word and I say that it's pronounced time. Yeah, okay, but if you don't write it in proper phonetic symbols, then you can't blame people for reading it the way that the phonetics of their language and the orthography of their language appropriately dictates. I don't think we'll ever agree on this. Nope. And I am the, progen the progenitor of the word. You're the what? So I, I'm the progenitor of the word. That's such a good word, progenitor. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's a way better word than autumn timb. See, okay, it, can be, it, it like throws me because... I know of Tim's as in, like, Timberland boots. Oh. So you're just like, I got my autumn Tim's on. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I just thought you were, I thought you were pulling it out of thin air. Well, I mean, I'm also being an asshole. But, um, but yeah, part <laughs> of it, part of the, the scaffolding for my assholery is that I know, like, my brothers use the word Tim's sometimes. Okay, that's just never, that's just not a, um, abbreviation that I've ever heard of. Yeah, but it's very like. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I guess I can understand where you come from now. Mm. I guess we've learned a lot from this question. So thank you, following ponies. Thank you. Good to hear from you. Okay, wait. Who's next? Oh my god! I can't believe we have multiple. No, I didn't say that. Wait, I thought you said we. Oh, you have multiple. You said we have multiple listeners. Yes. Okay, so that was our question for the week. Yes. That's so cool! Oh my god, we have a two-week streak of listener questions, though. We're very nearly real people. Almost. This is, We're almost there. Yeah. You know what they say, five questions per week. Oh, wait, no. What? That seems like a high bar. <laughs> no, I was trying to say five questions in five weeks. That's when you become a real boy. Yes. Okay. So that is a challenge to our listeners. I know I listen to a lot of podcasts and I never submit questions. So if you're one of those people who's just lurking on the fringes consuming our banter i strongly encourage you to engage with us because we don't bite we're nice um yeah i promise it's not weird um i guess it's a little <laughs> hypocritical because like i said i haven't said a question yet but i guess i will try to fulfill this we should do we should do like um we should do like an agreement you right could, we're like if i i mean if i send five questions we should get five questions well you can send a question on anonymous and i wouldn't know oh that's true so I could just take but credit for five anonymous questions and, uh... You could. Yeah. I won't, though, because I'm a decent human being. Right. <laughs> Good. Um, so... No, but, but, okay, so maybe, maybe, perhaps, perhaps framing it as a challenge is lobbing it into our listeners' court a little bit too aggressively. Um, but do please render us real children. <laughs> with your questions. We only need three more. Yes. Three more weeks. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, if you'd like to send us a question, you can do so um, at homestake. Damn it. <laughs> if you'd like to send us a question. Uh, if you'd mm. like to send us a question, you can contact us on Tumblr as hamsteakpodcast.tumblr.com or send us an email as hamsteakpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter. At Hamsteak Podcast and on SoundCloud 
at hamsteak-podcast. So feel free to follow us, give us a listen, give us a download. We feel really good about ourselves when people download. Hell yeah. Um, although it's totally not necessary. I don't think I've ever downloaded a, a SoundCloud podcast. Anyway, um, but we really like to hear from you. Um, if there's stuff that didn't make sense in this very convoluted world-building episode, please feel free to let us know. Um, you can also follow us individually at our homes on the internet. Oh, God. I am uh, Leaf Crunch on Tumblr and Autumn Time with a B on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I am Brick Chip. On both Tumblr and Twitter. Hell yeah, you are. Okay, so I think that's about it. I think... Do we have anything else to do? I think somehow we came out the other side of this episode. Okay, so for next week, if you are reading along at home, we are going to pick up on page 2411 and go through page 2513, um, including lots more puppets... And a little bit more um, capture log and interacting with John's physical reality fuckery. I cannot wait. Me neither. Oh my god. There's, 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 some, good, there's some good jokes in, this, in the <laughs> next one. Good. Yeah. Alright, so thanks for listening everyone. And see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.